Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Angry Fans. I'm your host, Afro, and with me, I got Lord Fish. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Another family episode. Ready to go. Ready to get into it. Yes, sir. And this episode is going to be very entertaining. We got a lot of fights to talk about. We got a lot of basketball to talk about, even football. So, you know, I'm excited about this one. So let's jump right into it, man. UFC 263. Shit was entertaining as fuck. What were your thoughts on the fight, man? As most of the fans, I love watching Nate Diaz fight. Fan favorite. He loves to taunt his opponents. He's famous for uh, him and his brother are both famous for the Stockton slap. He's open hand slapped McGregor in the past. Like he's a lost. boss. He'll like a boss. He's lost his last three out of four, you know, but they're all against great opponents, you know, street, street Jesus, fucking Leon Rocky Edwards. And then he lost to McGregor. He's also beaten McGregor. And then that uh, only one he's had in the last three out of four were Anthony Pettis. Who's another Let's go back to um, Leon Edwards. Like you just said, that was yeah. a fucking battle, man. And Diaz went the whole way, man. He went the distance and, you know, all bloody, man. There was blood everywhere. This He reminds me of Forrest Griffin, man, in a sense. Like, I loved Forrest Griffin, not only because he was on the Ultimate Fighter and then he went on to become a champion, but because the dude just never quit. And that's why I love Diaz, man. This dude does not stop. What was going through your head watching that? Nate Diaz is a slow starter. He always has been. And then in the later rounds, he always picks it up. And he requested for this fight to be five rounds due to the fact that he knows he's a late starter. I think it was the first five-round non-co-main event ever to take place in the UFC. He was cut open by a bad elbow in round three. Leon Edwards is on top and just hit him with a nasty right elbow, and he just cut open. And then he had another cut on the side of his head, but the dude never stopped moving forward. And he would taunt this dude left and right. And then, meanwhile, coming back through the whole thing, like he was going, he was going, he was going, and in the fifth round with a minute left, like you could tell Leon was tired. He hit him with, I, I think it was a left, hit him with a left and wobbled this dude and then pointed at him when he was wobbling him and then kept moving forward. If that fight won another round, I could have I seen Nate Diaz knocking him out. I agree with you 100%, man. I'm surprised nothing was called. Like you just said, he had cuts on both sides. This dude was bleeding fucking everywhere. But yeah, no, there's not. I don't think there's a more entertaining fighter in the UFC. And uh, he he's hands down my favorite to watch. Jorge is another guy I love to watch, but he's not as entertaining as Diaz, man. Not as entertaining as all. And uh, when Jorge beat Nate Diaz, that was for that BMF belt, which isn't yeah. legit. That was, that was to me, that's one of the best fights I ever saw. But this fight we just saw, that one I believe is better um, because they just went the distance, like I said. Um, so what do you think comes next for Nate Diaz, man? Once again, he's lost three out of his last four. You can't put him in the ring with nobodies because, you know, once again, he's a fan favorite. Everybody wants to see him. He's a money grabber. He's a money drawer. So what do you do with this guy? So he's 21 and 13. So it's not like he has some like crazy record, but he always fights good talent. Two routes he could go, right? Poirier and McGregor are supposed to fight, I want to say, July 10th. They're going to have their little trilogy. If he loses, if McGregor loses that, the next option would be for him and Nate Diaz to fight, have that third fight, finish that trilogy. If he doesn't want to do that, another route he could go, he could fight Jorge Masvidal again. Because that last fight was a doctor stoppage, and they could have a whole uh, BMF rematch and go into that. I'm all for it, man. I would love to see that because Jorge needs to get back in the octagon again as well. I don't know if he has any scheduled fights coming up. I know he's 
you know, on the fence with the UFC and, you know, he wants to get his money situated, but with him losing recently, I don't, I don't think he really has, you know, anything, any kind of weight behind his conversation. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I do think his next fight for Diaz should be McGregor though. Win or loss. I, I do think McGregor should fight him. So Diaz did say that uh, he wants to fight again in three to four months at the yeah, post, yeah. Con- post post conference. Uh, yeah. And that we already know that won't be McGregor, especially if McGregor's fighting next month. Yeah. 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 So but I'm sure can. if Dana goes to Diaz and say, hey, man, if you just wait another couple months, you, you got McGregor. I'm sure Diaz is like, fuck it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Because uh, that's the type of guy he is. He just he doesn't care. Absolutely. Let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about one of my most favorite fighters I've ever witnessed, the style bender. This this guy is just incredible. He's just ran through the middleweight class. You know, he tried his his chance at light heavyweight. It didn't work out for him. But he goes back, shuts up all the doubters. And the the guy is the king. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, man? So it was a dominant performance, you know. Vittori is not, like, no joke. He's not, He's no slouch. Like, it's, we, we yeah. all know this is his second time fighting Vittori. And so, a lot of people questioned him for when uh, when the Stylebender won in the first fight. Um, they questioned him because they said he barely won because it went yeah. to decision. So for him to dominate this fight, he pretty much just shut everybody the fuck up. V- Vittori was 5-0 and coming into this. Coming into this fight after losing to Adesanya the first time, the biggest thing that anyone could take away from this fight was Adesanya's leg kicks. They were absolutely devastating throughout the whole fight. He just kept chopping at at Vittori's lead leg, so like Vittori's leg was pretty pretty bruised up, but Vittori had no um no oomph. He slowed him down a lot by delivering those leg kicks, and Vittori's deadly. He's at eleven first round finishes, absolute animal. But Adesanya made it impossible for him to take it down and take him down in the later rounds. Vittori still took him down four times, but even when Vittori took him down, Adesanya was able to reverse it. Vittori went for a leg lock, which Adesanya was able to get out of. And then um, Vittori also went for a choke and Adesanya was able to get out of that. But he completely dominated him in the performance. I'm not a big Israel Adesanya fan. I don't know why. How could you not be a fan I, of this guy? So he is so entertaining and he backs up everything he so, says. So this is my thing. Just because I'm not a fan of someone doesn't doesn't mean I don't respect them in their sport. Oh, I, I know respect, you respect him, but respect why, why, him why don't you like him? I just don't like him. I'm not I'm just not a fan. It's just something about him. I, I mean, do you him. know his history though? Like before joining the UFC, the guy he's been dominating in sports yeah, and yeah, fighting yeah. for he, a long time. I think, it was like Muay Thai or kickboxing or something. He's been an absolute beast. I don't know. You don't I, like his face? Yeah, I just don't, <laughs> I don't like his face. It goes into something else. Too long for the show. Don't want to uh, spider web and get off topic, but I'm, I'm not a fan of his. All right. So I know you said you respect him as a fighter, but you're personally not a fan. That's cool. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. I don't care. I love the guy. I think he's one of the best to ever get in the octagon. I know you can't disagree with that statement. So with him dominating the middleweight class like he is, once again, we already know he tried light heavyweight. He he lost. But what what should he do now? What do you see next for him? So he already told Dana White he wants to fight Robert Whitaker for a second time. Last time. I don't want to see that fight because I already know he's going to win. So it's all about what the fighter wants to do. You know, he wants to fight Robert Whitaker. It's probably what's going to happen. So he'll fight him a second time. This other kid that has been in the talks that Adesanya hasn't beat yet, Jared uh, Conier. Yeah, he's uh, right now at the top five. Uh, He's ranked number four. 
Yeah. And uh, so, Whitaker actually just beat him. That's the thing. So he, you really can't jump and fight this dude if he got beat by the other dude. You know what I'm saying? He wants to fight Whitaker again. Supposedly Whitaker is uh he's grown since that last fight. He's had three dominant performances against Darren Till, Jared Kanner, and uh, most recently Kelvin Gasson. And even Kelvin Gasson came out and said that he thinks Robert Whitaker is prepared to take on Israel for a second time. If Israel does fight him again and beats him dominantly, I really don't feel like there's anything else he can do in the middleweight division. You know, it was his ter- third title defense. This would be his fourth if he does beat Whitaker and it goes through. I would like to see him try to go up to uh, 205 again and try to get the 205 strap. I can't see him beating Jan, but you never know. Another I mean, fight. even in that fight against Jan, I watched that and uh, he held his own. Um, so I think if he had more time to prepare, uh, I feel like he can go into light heavy. I mean, uh, yeah, light heavyweight and take over. But we'll see. T- time will only tell. The fact that he asked for the Whitaker fight, and we all know he's going to beat Whitaker. I know what people say, but you know everybody's going to hype up their teammates or their fighters. So uh, I'm not going to buy that. I watched the first fight, and it was a joke. No disrespect to Whitaker, the dude's a beast. Um, like yeah. I just like, like I just said, he just he just beat the number four ranked fighter in the class. So we are, we already know he's a problem, but um, I do think the style bender can continue his dominance and go for a second belt. And I do think we will see that before he calls it quits. I don't know. Maybe the dude will get in uh, yeah. entertainment. He does seem like a entertainer from what we get from him. The last thing. Um, so when he told Dana white that he wanted to fight Robert Whitaker, supposedly the timeline is going to be October. So if he does fight in October, he defends that belt for a fourth time and wins. I would like to see him jump up to 205, like I was saying. I agree. And if, and if he doesn't jump up to 205, I think he needs to call quits and just retire young, man. He's got more than enough money. Like I said, he has the personality and the, the, you know, the fan base to where he can go off into entertainment. I would love to see this dude. You know, I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe get into the, the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> that shit needs to end. <laughs> But all right, man, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, still in the same realm. The Ultimate Fighter, season 29. Um, you asked for us to do this review, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it a few episodes at a time, so we're not going to do week by week. Um, right now, we're going to jump in after episode three, so we're going to do the first three episodes reviews. Um, so we have the coaches of Alexander Velosky, the current undisputed champion. And then we have his coming up opponent of Brian Ortega, who, in my personal opinion, I think Brian Ortega is going to win that belt when the time comes. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so, so far for, for this season, we have the bantamweights and we have middleweights. Um, the coaches were supposed to fight back in April, but um, Belensky ended up testing positive for COVID. So they got put that on hold. Due to them putting that on hold, they asked them if they wanted to be coaches for this new season. And so far, it has not failed, man. The entertainment value on this is fucking awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on what you've seen? So, I love the show. Back in the day, what they used to do is they used to have dudes fight to get in the house. But from what I've seen, these dudes all seem like well-established and round, rounded fighters and stuff like that. They all come from certain camps where there's a pro or well-known camps around the country. The only dude... Uh, the kid from the first show, Aaron Phillips, he was from like Alaska. And yeah, he, he have- you know, he was self-taught on YouTube, but he did join a fight league in Alaska. So he did have fights under his belt. He did, but he was the most, he had the least experience out of anyone on the show. And he ended up losing the first episode. He fought a guy of the name of uh, 
Andre Petrovsky, who had a ton of experience, was a strong wrestler, and uh, it was a pretty good fight. Um, my biggest shock from the show was the kid Mitch Raposo in episode two. He was a fighter who was supposed to go far. I think he was the first bantamweight pick for a team. Volan- he, was, he, he was the very first pick. Yep. And uh, he lost to a guy who was one of the last picks. 10 years of age, 21 versus 31. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to say this guy's name. It's like Ludwig Sholanian. Just say Ludwig. Just say Ludwig. Yeah, Ludwig. And um, very quiet, very focused. Um, he was born in Serbia by way of Ukraine. He um, was dominated. The first round, he comes out. The kid Raposo is moving. Picking them, getting them. Raposa's striking was amazing in the it first was, round. It was he, great. I was, it was crazy. He used his feet so well. He was going all around the octagon, tiring Ludwig out. Ludwig yeah. had no idea where those punches were coming from. Ludwig had the height and the reach. And the fact that Raposa was able to just combo this dude and hit him so nicely, Ludwig had to take a strategic approach to, to beat this guy. Because if, if they kept standing up like he did, there was no way he was, he was winning that fight. Yeah. So I was, I was bummed out. So, um, Raposo is a fall river kid. He's from Massachusetts. And the way he fought that first round was just incredible. Like you were just saying how he was able to throw Ludwig couldn't cut him off. He was dancing around him. He was moving. And then the second round, he came out, he got him to the ground. He's able to hold on to him pretty much. He still delivered damage, never tired out. And then they went to a sudden victory round and he was able to do the same thing. Yeah. Took the data from the first round and ran with it, and it was an absolute upset, and it was great. And that dude looks like he could go far on the show. Well, uh, not to take any, not to discredit Ludwig at all. Um, let's talk about the records real quick. Mitch Raposa, he was five and zero before he got into the ring with Ludwig. Ludwig was nine one and one, so he is an experienced fighter. Yep. Um, he doesn't speak any English at all, so I thought that was great for Brian Ortega that the fact that they were able to communicate and work together. And Ludwig still listened to everything Ortega was yelling out. Uh, that was we're going to talk about that yeah. more in a second. The way the coaching styles are going, um, I'm I'm a huge Brian Ortega fan versus what I'm seeing on the other team. Same, same. Um, so you know, and we'll get back into that. I want to go back into this fight, but once again, um, Mitch Raposa, if they stood up, he had a chance. But Ludwig, you know, he, you know, smarter fighter because he had more experience, so he yep. was able to use that to his advantage. So. All the credit in the world to him. That was the most impressive, impressive victory because once again, Mitch Raposa was the number one pick. So, episode three was my favorite fight of all the fights so far. You had my man Ryder Newman, who the entire time you know I was watching this dude, I was vibing with this dude. He seems like somebody I would be boys with, man. And the fact that he called out his friend, uh, Treshawn Gore. And he called out Treshawn. This is why I have so much respect for Ryder because he called out Treshawn because he knew Treshawn was the strongest fighter on that team. He knew that if he was going to win the show, he needed to beat Treshawn early. And I respected him for doing that. And he lost trying his hardest. We all know Ryder is a great wrestler, um, but he could not get Treshawn down, man. Treshawn, you know, he, out of all the fighters, they said he's the number one rated gym in Georgia. Uh, training with some of the best people in all fighting. So when everybody kept talking about his stand-up and his striking, saying he was the number one striker in the house and he was the strongest middleweight, I thought this was going to be great because I thought Ryder had every chance to beat this guy. But he kept telling him, and he was even he was even trying to get uh, some intel out of um, Ryder's friend, Miles, because you got to remember, they, they went to the same school together. 
you know, they were boys growing up. And Miles, respect to Miles. I can't wait to watch that dude fight. He refused to give up any intel on his boy. So I want to ask you a question on that. Are you would you be pissed off at Miles or do you respect Miles' decision? No, I respect his decision. You know, like you can't do that to your boy and you can't give someone a disadvantage going even into though the fight. even though it's your own teammate like, yeah you guys he, aren't friends when you're in this house this is every man for themselves and you have your team on your side so you still you still you, you can't give somebody a clear disadvantage like that you just can't do it that's unfair just stay out of it and that's what he did and i'm glad he did that i will say this though that dude i watched the fight Trayshawn gore um this goes into Brian Ortega's coaching, his whole strategy. He's definitely been the better coach of the show so far. But the strategy was to take out that dude's legs pretty much because he's a wrestler. He didn't use his best tool. He Those didn't fucking kicks from Trey Sean. Oh, my God, bro. Like Ortega <laughs> says, he, the dude kicks like a fucking horse. Yeah, bro. It During the fight. Crazy. You could see the dude's leg turning purple, and there was welts. Bro, by the end of the fight, his legs were covered in welts and bruises. It was it was crazy. So for him to be able to dominate so well to take out this dude's number one thing, his 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 biggest strength wrestling was phenomenal. To see, but to have such a game plan like that to pinpoint it exactly so this dude's got no no attacks, no offense, no nothing was just great to see. The fact that he was able able to counter because uh, Ryder tried taking him down, I want to say like four or five times, and every yeah. single time Trey Sean was able to counter that easily, you know, hold his own. And uh, yo man, once again those kicks and then Ryder had no idea what was coming because once again Trey Sean was one of the best strikers in the entire house. Not only is he fast, he's strong, man. Like. Mm-hmm. Anytime he hit him with a body shot or one of those kicks or just a head shot, Ryder, Ryder, you could tell he regretted making that choice. You could 100% well, he, tell he regretted that. <laughs> he was very hesitant coming into the cage anyways, but like by the time round two came, he did land a couple nice combos, but he never followed up. He never tried going yeah. for a takedown after that. And like, it was just, this dude dominated the whole fight and then it was good. Real quick. And now let's go back to the coaching style. So, um, I will say on a more personal level, I will say fucking um, Volnowski. I'm just going to call him Volk just just to be easy. Volk, man, like on a personal level, you know, he's being buddy, buddy, friends with the with his teammates. You know, like I thought it was cool that he sat down and they watched, uh, you know, the UFC event. You know, they watched the girls division win. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. You know, and he he brought over food and cooked for him. They drank and they hung out. Awesome. I haven't seen that from Brian yet. Brian's all about his business, man. He he straight up said from the beginning, he's here to work with the best people that, can, especially the people that can help him train for his fight so he can win that belt. And based off everything I'm seeing, that's all he cares about. And uh, he's put right now, Ortega's team is up 3-0. And I can't wait to watch the next fight because it looks like they're about to go up 4-0. It looks like a clean sweep so far. Um, so what are your thoughts uh-huh. on the way they pick their teams and uh, what you've seen so far? I love it. Like, we'll just start with Volonovsky. It seems like he has a great bond, but during the fights, I've noticed he's not as vocal. He kind of just stands back and watches and will say, like, a thing or two. Or, But, like, Ortega's team's talking the whole time. They seem to have perfect strategy for their fighters going into it. And Volonovsky is the one that's picking the opponent so far. Ortega yeah, every fight, a fight. He, he's picked, yeah. So, for him, it's just his strategy, his coaching staff, it's and it's not even it's not even Volk doing it either. It's he's letting his fighters pick who they want. 
Yeah, it's, it's just insane. But like how this dude's been able to strategize every fight and plan. And I think he has a coaching background too from his own gym. Like he used to do jujitsu classes or something like that. But take a, yeah, he said, you know, that pizza reference he gave. Uh, I love that. He was like, I can, he's like, coaching is, is like a pizza. I can either yeah. shove it all down your throat or I can give you one slice at a time. Yeah. And I love that because it was short, simple to the point. I understood exactly what he meant. And he's given these dudes like exact, like small things. He's like working on small things to elevate their game. Like he's not going to what they are. He's just like small things to make them better, to make them better for that exact fight that they're about to fight, which is, it's good. Yeah, I know. Um, so the first fight, I have two, two favorite fighters so far on, on Team Ortega. Andre. The guy from episode one, dude is just a monster, you know. And uh, one thing I saw with them, they told him that he needs to work on his patience. And in that first fight, I know you watched it because that's what we're talking about. They didn't throw a punch for like the first 35 seconds. They both were sitting there waiting. And I, I know the dude, uh, Aaron Phillips, you know, the Alaskan YouTuber. I know he was just patiently waiting because he had less experience. But this dude, Andre, you know, he abided his time. And for him. To force a win with the guillotine right at the end of the, of the first round, that was fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, in the second round, once again, the coaching. Not only was it Ortega yelling out, but Ortega's uh, uh, other coaches, they're so vocal on the side to where Volk's team, you don't hear them at all. All I hear is Ortega's team yelling, be patient, be patient. Double jab, double jab. In out, in out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it worked out so good. And Trey Sean, who is by far my favorite fighter so far, um, I, I hope he wins the whole thing. Um, they already know this dude is a fucking wrecking ball. He, all he wants to do is go in and drop people. He just wants to fucking run you into the ground and fuck you up. But they were <laughs> able to calm this dude down and tell him to be patient. And I'm happy he did, man. The fact that he was able to win by unanimous decision, it was very impressive. And uh, shout out to Ryder. Because even though he lost, you know, the dude, you know, once again, he went up against the strongest person in the house and he held his own. Uh, he didn't get knocked out. He stayed up. He did what he, he did his thing. So no disrespect to him. Um, and uh, I'm very upset about the Mitch Raposa fight. I was upset that Ludwig won, even though I'm cheering for um, Brian Ortega's team. Once again, if I feel like if they stood up and banged, Raposa would have knocked him the fuck out, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right, man, before we move on, you got any more thoughts on uh, the Ultimate Fighter? Or you have uh, anything you want to say on episode four before it comes up? Um, I, I just, so far, I've noticed this a lot. Uh, the difference between this season and a lot of seasons in the past is there's not a crazy amount of drinking and fighting. And our, everyone seems to be like, we're here for a business. You know, it seems to be a brotherhood, more I think, atmosphere. I think that's coming. And it, I'm sure it's that's what I mean. Because, like, as you saw in episode three, Mitch Repose was like, I should have beat that guy. I can't stand losing. Then he's like getting all fired up and he's getting, I'm better than that guy. And then the coaches are usually arguing. And I saw like a little sneak preview for episode four, but it seems like tensions start to heat up between the coaches. So Not now that, that, um, uh, that dude, Andre, who fought in episode one, um, it looks like somebody got in his face and uh, yep. he's like, bro, are you serious? And that dude, once again, he's, he's built like a tank. So uh, yeah. I think everybody should watch out for him. And uh, Treshawn and uh, going back to Treshawn uh, against Ryder. And once again, Ryder called him out. Treshawn was like you said, Ryder did, seemed hesitant before the fight. Treshawn was in his face 
the days leading yeah. up to the fight. Every, every episode, I mean, every few minutes before he would just go up to him. He's like, bro, he's like, nobody's going to beat me. You, you fucked up. Like you should have never picked me. Like now you're going to have to go home. <laughs> but they were also like going like, they're like, I'm going to throw brother. Like I'm going to throw brother. And they have their little disputes and their little bit. And then they'd be like, all right, we're going to put on a big show. And they'd like dab it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, because okay, once like, again, um, even Ryder came out and said, you know, that was his, like besides miles because they knew each other him and trey sean built a friendship so those two are really close so i'm I'm really happy to see that um and i'm excited about what's moving forward so before we move on to the next topic because we're going to move away from ufc prediction who wins the the championship fight in the end is it volk or is it ortega see that's tough because they've both fought a lot of really great guys in the ufc uh volkanovsky he's 22 and one he's undefeated in the ufc he uh he hasn't lost since 2013 and that was in some australian league and then brian ortega his only loss was uh dr stoppage in round four of um a champ the championship fight when max holloway held the belt so they're both really good ortega's got a deadly nasty game on the ground but i don't know a lot of people don't know this volonovsky used to be a rugby player in australia and he used to walk around. I think it, I, I saw it on the Joe Rogan podcast. It was like 220 pounds. And it's just, it's a, it's a crazy matchup. But um, I like Volonovsky, but I also like Ortega. And because I like them both so much, I'm going to have to go with the guy from America instead of the Australian. So I hope Ortega wins. Uh, what? I don't blame you. I respect the choice. I, I always, I always go with my countrymen my you know when i can't make that yep going the so i think me in this one i'm an ortega fan first and foremost I, I do respect both fighters but uh i'm going for the underdog in this fight a lot of people don't think ortega has what it takes to win even though he's an explosive fighter and the dude's a beast on the ground like you said um everybody thinks that the undisputed fed, featherweight champs is going to keep running the the division so i think i think it's time's up and uh, i i'm excited to see the end of this show and uh See Ortega hold that hold that belt right at the end. Yeah. But all right, man. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, NFL mandatory mini camps, man. We had some people not show up. Uh, some notable mentions. We have uh, Jordan Hicks, Chandler Jones, Stephon Gilmore, Aaron Rodgers. Um, so uh, let me get your thoughts on uh, what's happening right now. I have no ill feelings towards this, and I'm gonna read a quote. I think it was Devonte Adams. When he was asked if he would be at minicamp, he said, yeah, I'll be here. I'm from East Palo Alto, California. I grew up with zero dollars. I'm not forfeiting any money that I earned. So, I mean, it's all in these dudes. Um, 100%. You, you, you want to you waste money that you've earned and that you deserve and you've worked your whole life for? That's on you. You know, I'm not going to hold it against you. It's your choice. It only hurts you, hurts the team. So, yeah. So let me ask point. something real quick before we before we keep talking about this. So we talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, you know, his teammates having his back and respecting his decision. I get that. But it comes to a point where, you know, I understand the player needs to do what's best for them at the end of the day. But um, we've talked about it a few times before in past episodes. You know, it comes down to, you know, you sign a contract, you commit to something, you, you become a man of your word. It's one thing to shake on something. It's another to sign a contract. You know what I'm saying? I'm the type of dude, like, if I shake your hand saying something, that's it. Like, we don't need a contract. That That's my my word is my bond. So yeah. for somebody to sign something and shake hands and then to come out and say, hey, well, I'm upset. I'm not happy. I don't give a fuck what's going on personally. If you're there to do a job, you don't have to talk to people. You could still show up and ignore the media, ignore the coaching staff. 
the fact that you're there is all that matters. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it really upsets me because not only are you a leader of the team, you're a captain, you're supposed to show and tell. So if, if you're not able to show and tell and be the example, I think you should kick rocks. And I yeah. understand the team doesn't want to let him go. And I'm only talking about Aaron Rodgers in this situation. If the team doesn't want to let him go, cool, retire. Mm-hmm. Stop wasting people's time, man. Let Jordan Love get his shine. Let the dude do what he needs to do. You have too many people. It's also a disservice to the fans. Now, I'm not a yeah. Packers fan because I don't give a fuck. But I feel so bad for this Jordan Love kid. And I, I just think the team, everybody needs closure. Yep. The fact that he's not saying anything or not speaking to anybody, it's just, it's, you know, it's some little kid middle school shit. It's like when you tell a girl you have a crush on her or like you tell your friend and, you know, whatever, people <laughs> pass the notes, all this bullshit, but you you can't tell her yourself. Like, go go up to her and tell yourself, dude, so, no. I want to fuck. Or can I hold your hand? You know, something stupid. I don't just fucking say something, dude. It's a little stupid. over the top going from notes stuff. I fuck, but um, <laughs> so my biggest thing, my takeaway from this, uh, one of the players you mentioned was Stefan Gilmore, right? He's yeah. in the final year of his um, five-year contract that it was five years, 65 million. So as we've seen, Jalen Ramsey, one of the dudes that's gotten a fucking huge contract now. Back in 2017, when Stefan Gilmore signed that contract, that was a good contract. It was that a great was a deal. Great contract. It was a strong contract for a cornerback at that time. So I know what I just said. Like, I don't care. You're only hurting yourself. But for someone like Stefan Gilmore, like you were, I, I know he's been, he's been a top, top defensive player since he's, since he signed that contract, he's performed, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. He was a uh, defensive player of the year in 2019, all these great accolades and stuff. But, um, buddy, like just show up for this year. You know, you have all the shit behind you. You're only 31. Come play out and then fucking go for the money. There's no reason for you to start holding out this year after the last four years. It's just, I I don't get it. I get maybe you're trying to get a new contract, big extension. Wait until after the season. So I think it's a, it's multiple things with Stephon Gilmore. And I agree with you. The dude needs to show up, play football. A lot of people don't know. Um, the Patriots gave him an advance last year because he asked for it. So yeah. they gave him an advance of $4.5 million. So because of that, he was supposed to make over $11 million, but now he's only going to make $7 million this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently he's upset because you got somebody else like Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be making over $20 million this season. But once again, when Gilmore signed his contract, it's a completely different time to Jalen Ramsey, who just signed his contract two seasons ago. Completely different market, completely different times. The NFL just signed huge contracts, so all the teams have more money to spend. Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots have the cap space. I understand what he's doing. He knows that he can play with this money. I think he's a little upset that you know he's been involved in trade rumors for the last year to last year or so. You know, ever since Brady said he wanted out, everybody knew Stephon Gilmore was going to have this contract situation. Player year, if you can renegotiate, renegotiate. If you can't, kick rocks. See you later. No disrespect to Stephon Gilmore. I know he won the Defensive Player of the Year award back in 2019. Last year, he was nowhere close to a Jalen Ransby player. No. They, not even statistically close. To me, you say top defender since he signed the contract. Last year, he wasn't a top defender. He was a top defender on a non-existent Patriots team. Cool. But if you're not the number one player on the number one defense, I don't care, bro. Back no. the fuck up. Like, 
if you're not the number one defender on a on a, a AFC championship team, I don't care, bro. You know, at least win the division. Do do something. He didn't even do that. So for him to, you know, start crying about his $7 million, why did you take that advance last year? You know the Patriots gave that to you. What's the problem? Yeah. Now, somebody like Chandler Jones, I understand his frustration. I think Chandler Jones should get paid. I I think he's earned it. He's been one of the best players at his position for consecutive years, and he's helped the Arizona Cardinals become a contender. So once again, I I think you have to show and tell. If you're able to show up, do your job, and be an example, by all means. But Stephon Gilmore, with those numbers last year, you don't deserve any more money right now, bro. Finish, finish your contract. So let me ask you this. Do you believe Gilmore should get more money this season, or do you think he should just play at what he has? I mean, if the Patriots didn't give him that advance last year, maybe. But, like, come on, dude. Like, yeah, like you said, you asked for the advance last year. They gave it to you. Now this is why you're getting $7 million this year. Just come out, play out renegotiate at the end of the year or go sign with a different team and get that money. I, I personally think he's done. I mean, I'm still happy to have him in the backfield. Once again, he's one of the tallest and best defenders in the league. I'm not discrediting him by saying he's not. Yeah. He didn't have a good season last year, but he was also fight, fighting an injury. Um, so I'm, I'm sure he's going to be healthy and ready to go this year. Um, we'll see. Only time will tell. But um, once again, finish your contract. Sure renegotiate if you can if you can't see you later man enjoy free agency that's it or we can trade him right now man give him up i I don't need i don't need stefan gilmore speaking on another defensive back in the league xavian howard hasn't showed up either for the dolphins yeah it's the dolphins (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you saw about tua so tua had a rough first day he threw five picks and I mean, I know why he did it, though. He was trying to get more aggressive in his throwing because it's just practice or whatever. Not only that. Yeah, yeah, it's practice. And you you have to practice. If, if you want to be able to make those throws, you have to you have to practice. Just like Steph Curry makes all the craziest shots in the world. They do practices. You know, it doesn't matter what sport. As long as you put in the work, you know, it will happen. But this is coming right after Dan Marino made a comment saying that Tua has what it takes to win the Dolphins the Super Bowl. Mm, so... When you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time and pretty much still the face of the Fuck Miami him. Dolphins. Fuck Dan Marino. I agree with you. I, I, when you, hope, when you have hope, somebody that's held in that high regard in the franchise to saying I, that, that's a lot of pressure, man. I hope Bill Belichick doesn't pass Don Chula. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> See you later. Dan Marino's only highlight was being an Ace Ventura pet detective. Yeah. He hasn't, been, he, he hasn't been relevant for years. So fucking See you later. All right, man, that's enough of the NFL. We're going to move on. Let's go on to the NBA. This is going to be a long topic, and I'm excited about We're going to start off with the NBA awards. And uh, first things first, I'm going to start off with naming just the starting five. I'm not going to talk about the second team or the third team, only the first team. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we have a lot to go over. But the NBA first team was announced. We have Giannis, Steph Curry, Luka, Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. Do you believe those are the top five best players in the league? Did the NBA get that right? I mean, after Steph watching um, Giannis get fucking crossed up and how he's played and shit, definitely don't want to see him on the first team. I agree with you. I agree with you. But one of the reasons why I agree with Giannis being there, not only was he top in MVP votes, he was top in defensive player of the year votes. Uh, and he held it down for his team. 
Um, so I do believe he deserved to be here. I'm actually going to take one name off and put another name on here. So I'm going to keep everybody on the first team besides Luca. I don't think Luca deserves being on the first team. To me, and this is a why, I believe Joel Embiid should be on the first team. Joel Embiid was second in MVP votes. He held it down all year. The guy was an animal. He won the number one team in the East with the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, we talked about the superstar Brooklyn Nets. Joel Embiid is doing his thing. I don't know if you agree with that. Do you, do you, do you want to dispute that? Do you believe Joel Embiid should, should stay there or should he, should he not be there? Um, even after seeing Luca, how he played against the Clippers in that round, you still don't like he, it was, that was unheard of. That was wild. Luca didn't win. I, I get that, but how he was, he can't do it all by himself, but the man was putting up crazy stats, crazy numbers. Like he's the reason that team is why they were where they were at. You don't deserve, think he deserves to be first. No, second team, hundred percent first team. No, I'm not putting him over Joel Embiid. I mean, if you want to, if you want to say Luca as a second guard, I mean, I don't think he should be there over Bradley Beal. To me, Bradley Beal, you know, once again, he only lost out on the scoring title to Steph Curry by not even a full point. Like the dude held it down and did did his shit all season. So I mean, I I'm upset with who gets to make these votes, and we'll talk about that soon. Um, but yeah, once again, my only decision would be to take out Luca and put on Joel. I would only move Luca down to the second team. That, that's it. I would just make that flip flop. I, I think Steph Curry is the only guard that should be in the first team. That, that's all I'm saying. Fair enough. All right. So all defensive team. We have Giannis, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, and Ben Simmons. I think the NBA got all this right. Let's go on to the actual awards. MVP. Jokic. Before I start talking about what happened, do you think Jokic deserved the MVP? Absolutely. And we've debated about this because, you know, you've been high on Joel Embiid, but um, he played the third most minutes this year in the NBA. He led his team in rebounds, points, assists. He's the first uh, senator to win the MVP since Shaq. But he played great this year. He played every game. Unlike Joel yeah. Embiid, who I think – what would Joel Embiid miss, like 15, 20 games a season? Yeah. So if Joel Embiid stayed healthy and played this year, it might have been a different story, might have been a different conversation. But I feel like Jokic definitely deserves to win that MVP. So let me just stop you right there. because, uh-huh. And we're going to talk about this soon, but I just want to bring this up. LaMelo Ball won Rookie of the Year. He missed 21 games. He yeah. was not the best Rookie of the Year. So now let's go back. Once again, we'll talk about that soon. Okay. The reason why you just said Jokic deserved it is because Joel Embiid missed time. Not only did Joel Embiid miss time, he missed less games than LaMelo Ball. To me, yeah, Joel Embiid was the better player throughout the whole year. Once again, his team was number one in the conference playing against some of the best competition. He's one of the best players in the league. I understand that Jokic led his team in points, rebound, assists. I get that, but he, we're talking about the Denver Nuggets. They don't have four, people four on Four straight team. seasons. Once again, he's doing that on a team that has nobody. Remember earlier how I was talking about Stephon Gilmore? Like, you know, okay, cool. You're, you're the best player on this team, but are you the best player? <sighs> I see division? what you're saying. Like, that, that's all I'm saying. The way, the way different leagues do stuff, it's funny to me. I personally don't think Jokic was the MVP. My, my personal MVP pick, 
my personal opinion should have been Steph Curry. To me, yeah. he's what uh, he was the epitome of MVP. But if I was going to vote for anybody, it would be Joel Embiid. And I know I just contradicted myself, but I do think Joel Embiid to the MVP standards by the league standards should have been MVP. 100%. Now, to speak about what Jokic did, he's the first ever Denver Nuggets player to win the MVP. And he's also the lowest drafted player to be an MVP being drafted in the second round 41st overall. So that was very fucking impressive. You know, the guy averaged 26 points, 10.9 rebounds and 8.4 assists, all career highs. Um, the only other person who uh, won an MVP uh, that was drafted lower was Moses Malone, who wasn't even drafted. So, um, you know, kudos to him. But this is where shit goes south. Jokic is, is the fifth MVP in NBA history to be swept in an NBA playoff series. Uh, joining Magic Johnson, Moses Malone, Kareem, and Wes Unsled. Um, In the 10 playoff games he played, he averaged 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists on 51, 38, 84 shooting. So he actually played better in the playoffs than he did in the regular season, in, in my personal opinion. But once again, the Denver Nuggets don't have a team. So what are your lost, thoughts on that, man? They, they also lost their second player, Murray, who tore his ACL. And Murray was lost in the regular season, so I don't want to I know, to... but they were looking like a real contender until Murray got hurt and tore his ACL. I, uh, even with Murray, man, I don't think they had it. They just don't have enough pieces on the team. They don't have a bench. And no disrespect because I believe what they did was incredible. But, um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Jokic isn't – he does everything right and he does everything well. But to me, an MVP is somebody who makes everybody around him better while also being the best. And Jokic doesn't do that to me. But he's – the difference between him and a guy like Joel Embiid, and we talked about this a few podcasts ago, was Jokic didn't even want the MVP. Joel Embiid was the guy that was like, I deserve that MVP, this, that. And Jokic was like, I don't want MVP. I want a ring. Yeah. So that's what an MVP is to me. Someone that's But hold on. Don't, that don't, wants don't to take the that out thing. of context because that was when everybody told Joel Embiid he wasn't going to win the MVP. Joel Embiid has been all about the process since day one. He's been promising the city of Philadelphia championship since he got there. So I don't, I don't want to hear you say that and, you know, put out the wrong idea in people's heads, you know. It, it's easy to take, you know, one topic and take it out of context for the whole, the guy's whole, you know, being of a player. Um, Joel Embiid wants a championship. Is he upset he lost the MVP? Of course, because he deserved it. I don't blame him. Even Curry made comments saying he did, he believes he was the MVP. So, like, I don't want to say that. And we all know Curry is a team player and makes everybody around him better. That's why I think Curry was an MVP. And if you weren't going to give it to either of those guys, fucking Chris Paul, the fact that he wasn't even in the top of the voting was so disrespectful. This guy went to a team that he never played with before, made him the number one team in the Western Conference, and oh is now, they're now going to the Western Conference final. That, that's, that's fucking amazing. And the fact that he wasn't even in the conversation is just so disrespectful, man. And that's another reason why I, I believe they should change the voting. Um, but before we talk about that, we're going to keep going. Rudy Gobert won his fourth defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm sorry. No, he's the fourth player to win three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Mm-hmm. Um, the other players being uh, Matumbo, Ben Wallace, and Dwight Howard. Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball, man. They announced it today, actually. Um, yeah. He averaged 15 points, five rebounds, six assists to win the award. He missed 21 games throughout the season. Anthony Edwards 
not only was he one of my top players in fantasy basketball, the guy was just a fucking entertainer. The guy is a true showman, and he's one of the best players in the league. I don't know how this man lost the award. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this, man? Why do you think LaMelo won? I don't know. Triple Bs, signed with Puma, and he was electric on court. He was, he, he was big every time he played. I don't know. I just – I like LaMelo. I hated him when he played overseas, but – I felt like he was quiet. You know, he kind of separated himself from the whole Triple B's bullshit when he signed with Puma. Oh, yeah, 100%. I remember there was a big blowback from his pops. His pops was yeah. upset. I thought that was hilarious, but I respect him for doing it. But no, the jump he's made from um, high school to playing overseas, from playing in Lithuania, and then playing in the team, I think it was Australia or New Zealand, to being the third pick overall, to playing in Charlotte. It was great, but uh, I don't know. Like you were saying, that other kid got snubbed. So 100%. And uh, and that's another reason why I have a beef with the voting. I really think it comes down to a popularity contest because, once again, Anthony Edwards had better number, better shooting and everything. The the guy was a beast. Once again, um, what I said, he averaged 15 points. Um, Anthony Edwards averaged over 19 points, almost 20 points a game as a rookie. That's fucking incredible. And yeah. mind you, LaMelo started off as a starter. Well, not he didn't start off as a starter. He became a starter a lot sooner. He, he became a starter about a month into the season to where Anthony Edwards, he didn't become a starter until almost halfway through the season. So the fact that this dude was able to take off and play the way he played, like he, that kid has such a bright future. And I will say the, the whole league has a bright future right now with LaMelo and Anthony Edwards going into that conversation. You know, last episode, we talked about best players under 25. It, things are so, so good right now for the league, and I'm excited. Next award, uh, one of my favorite ones, most improved, you know, Julius Randle. Um, he became the sixth player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists in a season, joining Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, Jokic, who did it this season, um, and Oscar Robertson, along with Russell Westbrook. So all legendary names right there. Once yeah. again, he had a you know upsetting postseason. He didn't play like he did in the regular season. They ended up losing. But you know, kudos to him, man. Great job. Um, sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. You know, this dude, average careers highs across the board, 18 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Um, he only had one start throughout the season, but he played incredibly, and uh, he helped the Jazz, you know, be as good as they were. Coach of the year is who I want to be, the Boston Celtics coach, Tom Thibodeau. With Tibbs, they finished uh, with the fourth-best record in the East at 41-31, and they made the playoffs for the first time in eight years. Yep. Um, the Knicks won 16 of their final 20 games to complete a turnaround for the, from last season's overall record of 21 and 45. So huge, huge turnaround, complete 180. And shout out to Tibbs. I really hope he can become Boston's uh, next head coach. I don't know how what will happen, but uh, that would be my pick. After hearing all that, man, you know, the NBA first team, the defensive first team, the MVP, the rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, six man of the year, most improved player of the year. Do you think the NBA got these picks right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything I didn't like. Besides, I mean, you could debate the whole Lamelo Ball thing with you know Edwards and stuff because average more points. Lamelo Ball was out, but I mean, I liked it. There was also Sportsmanship Award was Drew Holiday, Teammate of the Year Damian Lillard. I didn't see anything too crazy. When it comes to how they vote, it's a hundred. It's a panel of a hundred sports writers. So like the NFL. They vote through a panel of 50 sports writers. Uh, MLB pretty much does the same thing. The next big question, next big topic we have, is there anything you would like to see the NBA do differently? Would you like to see them, you know, shorten the sports writers, have previous players maybe 
vote on MVP, um, coaches, owners. How, how do you want to see it go moving forward? So I do believe there should be a committee uh, of players. So I don't know if you saw this when you did your research on the topic, but it never used to be the writers or journalists who voted. Uh, they actually made that change in the 1980-81 season. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it was awards voted on by the players. And if you remember a couple of years ago, the NBA actually came out with the player awards. Yeah. And they had different picks for almost everything versus what the journalists voted. And to me, the NBA got it right. So it doesn't have to be current players. I believe there should be votes in spectrums. I believe there should be a Hall of Fame vote. You have a collection of however many Hall of Famers that you want. I don't care. 10 Hall of Famers, 25, 50. You can do 50 for all I care. Do 50 Hall of Famers. Have current NBA players come out and make their votes. And then have NBA coaches make their votes. Tally up all those and whoever wins, wins. Because to me, the journalists, if if you want to still give the journalists a vote, give the journalists a vote. But I believe it should be a small committee, at least... One for every team, 30. That's that's all you need. You need one from every team. Whoever is the main sports writer for that team, they go out and get a vote. That way it's not biased in any means. Yeah. Um, you know, or or they can pick people from, you know, the writer's hall of fame. I don't care. They just need to change it because the way it's voting on right now, it's very I like I said, it comes off like a popularity contest. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very biased. upsetting. I mean, uh, do you believe if the players had a vote, things would change completely? I mean, I don't think they'd change completely, but you'd see some different picks, you know? I mean, based off what I've seen, if the players had a vote, Steph Curry would have won MVP this year. Yeah, I mean, he had 32, what, 32, 5, and 5? Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, If players had a vote, I believe Anthony Edwards wins that rookie of the year. Yeah. You know, if players had a vote, I believe Ben Simmons beats Rudy Gobert for defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, it, it all comes down to, you know, uh, what we see and what they see. And once again, with the media, I do believe they get caught up in the hype and it all comes down to popularity. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, I can't get upset because they voted Steph Curry the first ever unanimous MVP. Yeah. You know, when you have players like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, those guys all won MVPs. They were never unanimous. So for Steph Curry to be one of my favorite players and get that first nod, I think that's incredible. Um do I think Steph Curry should be the first ever unanimous MVP? No, it should have been Michael Jordan. We all know that it should have been Bill Russell. You know, it, it should have been these guys like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, these guys from the past. So I don't know. The, things are fucked up and I just think a change needs to happen. So it, what would you like to see? I mean, I like the idea that you put out there, you know, having Hall of Fame, having players, a sports writer from each team, yeah. only 30 and stuff. I like that. I mean, I I could get with that. But yeah, the same thing. Player vote, Hall of Fame vote, coaches vote, owner vote, sports writer vote. Put them all together. See what comes out. That'd be good. feel like it'd be a little bit more fair. Huh? Cool. On that note, man, let's go off into the playoff picture. Like you said earlier, um, the 76ers lost to the Atlanta Hawks. I can't believe they lost that game, man. The 76ers were destroying them in the first half. And yeah, last I losing. saw, they were up by 25. So that is fucking incredible. Shout out to Trey Young, John Collins, and Click Capella. Those guys, those boys put in fucking work. Sure. So now Atlanta leads that series three to two. 
Um, right now, the Clippers and the Jazz are playing in game five. Kawhi Leonard is sitting out. Um, the Jazz are currently up by three at the end of the first. We all saw KD drop 49 points. James Harden got back on the court. I was shocked to see that. Um, no, no Kyrie. Don't know what's going on with him. But the Karma. Milwaukee Bucks, man, end up losing that game, bro. Uh, losing game five. Um, Middleton had a chance to go up. He ended up passing it to Giannis, and Giannis dropped the ball. And that was when things just went south. Mind you, the Bucs had about a 17-point lead in the first half, and KD and them couldn't hit shit. For, but Jeff Green, you know, proving to be one of the best players of the night, you know, hitting seven for eight from three, getting a career high in the playoffs. You know, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, I definitely think the Nets will make it through. So Kyrie's supposed to sit game six. And I don't know if Harden's going to sit game six either, but I think they'll be able to pull it off. I definitely think they're still going to make it through. They're going to be the Eastern Conference champions. They'll play whoever it is next, whether the Hawks win or the 76ers. I think they'll make it all the way. They pretty much just got to get Kyrie healthy. It's kind of karma that, you know, that's the same fucking same foot he scuffed Lucky's face with. So I'm kind of glad to see it, you know. You saw uh, Big Baby's comments. Yes, same, same, <laughs> um, same foot. So it's kind of karma and everything. But this is gonna kind of go into something else that I have, kind of spider webbing real quick. A big thing that came out is a lot of people are getting hurt. Injuries have been a big factor during the playoffs. It's been the shortest off season in NBA history ever. They only had 72 days between Game Six of the NBA Finals last year in the bubble to the start of the season. Lakers were never healthy. Nuggets looked like a real contender before they lost Murray to a torn ACL. Nets have barely played at full strength all year. Irving and Harden have both missed extended periods of the playoffs. Suns have made it to the conference finals, but are now in jeopardy with Chris Paul being out to health and safety protocols, which either came out, I think it was today or yesterday. And then the Clippers tied the series only to lose Kawhi to a knee injury, and now he's in doubt for the rest of the playoffs. So do you? Th my, my question here is: Do you think the NBA fucked up? Do you think they should have stretched it out a little bit more? Do you think it was um, fair to the players? I don't think they fucked up. They knew what they were doing, and everybody agreed to it. So you know that's what those conversations are for. And you know they signed those contracts. So the only thing I was upset with with the NBA this year is they said there wasn't going to be an All Star game or an All Star week. Yeah, and uh, they they changed up the format, but they still ended up doing it. And I know players were pissed off about that. It's kind of funny to think about one of the reasons why um, they couldn't spread out the playoffs, because usually the playoffs are more spread out, not not like it is right now. But mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why they're doing it so tight, tight, close is we have the Olympics coming up. And that's going to be something we're going to talk about later. And yeah. um, the way it's going, the Olympics are going to start the day after a possible game seven for the NBA finals. The NBA is trying to do everything right while, while capitalizing on making that money. So. Yeah. I can't hate it. I respect it. At the end of the day, it's a business. I wasn't a, a fan of, you know, the shortened season and, you know, the way everything was going on right now. Um, when they started it, when the draft was, I, I hope things go back to normalcy in the next year or so. Hopefully, you know, with the Olympics, I, I don't know what's going to happen. There's there's so much going on because of COVID that things just fucked everything up. So yeah. do you see us going back to a normal schedule? Like, you know, Preseason starting in September, you know, it's having a summer league. I mean, summer league supposed to be starting in July. Uh, I mean, August. hopefully we're not going to get that with the Olympics and everything. There's a lot of 
outcry and outpour, of course, LeBron James said a bunch of shit about everything I just commented on, but we'll see. I'm sure eventually it'll get back to normal. Well, when I say normalcy, I mean like back to regular schedule, like season starting at the end of October, like Halloween. Yeah, you just probably have to shorten the preseason and fucking that's about it. Yeah. All right, man. You you touched on something that I want to talk about though. Um, we're talking about key players missing the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. Like th- things are all fucked up right now. And the crazy part is with no Steph Curry, LeBron James, right now NBA viewership is up higher than it's ever been. Everything is skying through the roof. All all eyes are on the NBA right now, and people are enjoying the playoffs. But now when Chris Paul is playing his heart and soul, man, he finally gets to the Western Conference Finals. We find out he goes into health and safety protocols and now could potentially miss all of the Western Conference Finals. What are your thoughts on this, man? Like, I, I'm pretty pissed off, and I'm not even a Suns fan. What? Why? What's happening? So I'll say this. They better hope the Clippers win, and they better hope the Clippers win without Kawhi, and Kawhi has to sit out for the rest of the playoffs. If Chris Paul is out, that's the only way they get in the throw. You don't want to wish bad juju on anybody, but that's that's the only way. If Chris Paul nah, doesn't, I think back, I think that's very disrespectful. I think you're discrediting a lot of what Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton do. Because once again, I get that the Clippers don't have a big man that can cover DeAndre Ayton, and if Kawhi Leonard's not there, who the hell is going to stop Devin Booker? But we're talking about the point guard. I mean, not a point guard right now. You know, he's an absolute beast. He's a guy that came over and brought a team, like you said earlier, quote new, brought it. Brand, brand new team that he was with to a number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, now all the way to the Western Conference Finals, the furthest he's yeah. ever been in his career. And now he can't even play. Yeah. So do you know why he was putting uh, health and safety protocols? I, I didn't even see anything. I don't know if it has to fucking COVID-related or some other bullshit. I'm pulling it up right now just because I, I didn't read into this and I just want to see um, because I, I didn't see anything besides – then um he had to go into it. I don't know why he. It, has yeah, to do it. It, I think it came out today, like a few hours ago. So it's it's fairly new for anybody that's listening. So all they said is if he is already vaccinated. So nobody even knows if he's vaccinated. All they're saying if he is vaccinated, he would face a shorter suspension. So that's just wild to think about. What so, do you what do you think? What do you think he went to an event? They, um, well, there was something with LeBron James. I think it was at the end of the regular season where he went to an event with a few celebrities and stuff like that, but it's LeBron, it's LeBron James. So nothing happened. So you're talking about the same event where LeBron was there for like 10 minutes and people made a big deal about it. Everybody was vaccinated at that event. That's why it went away. The health and safety protocols. Like I think they were like the NBA players are exempt from that. They still have to like abide by certain things, even if people are vaccinated. So he broke the rules. So uh, from what we see, Matt Barnes announced on his podcast that Chris Paul did get vaccinated so he is vaccinated so from the world we live in not to get off topic i don't want to talk politics or none of that shit the world we live in as long as you're vaccinated you can do whatever you want so i don't understand why he would be forced to miss if he is forced to miss i think the nba is going to blow up i think people are going to freak the fuck out yeah try to snub this guy from getting some hardware yo yo right (laughs) (laughs) who fucking poor chris paul man i've been shitting on this dude for years yeah and I, i i like you quoted me saying it, man. He just needs some hardware. The the he has a chance to get it this year, and they're just like, nope. Yep, sorry. Even though you're vaccinated, it does not matter. No. <laughs> so real quick, I just want to talk about the Hawks 76ers game that just happened. Go ahead. Um, so, like you said, they were getting destroyed in the first half. In the fourth quarter, 
they outscored the 76ers 40 to 19. That's amazing. Which is fucking crazy. They now, mind you, we're points. talking about two two of the best defenders in the league, too, on the 76ers with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's incredible. Fucking uh do you, you have the um the box score on you? What did Trey Young drop? Let me hear it. Trey Young dropped 39 points. So this is where it gets interesting. Gallinari had 16, Williams had 15, Collins had 19. On the 76er side, Tobias Harris only had four points. Ben Simmons only had eight points. But Seth Curry had 36 points. Joel Embiid had 37 points. Yeah, man, it's sad. You, you need more people to step up. Seth Curry, I'm happy to hear he dropped 36, man. But that's and he not had enough. seven rebounds. Seth, hey, Seth Curry's a baller, man. He's <laughs> a baller. Like, you know, it's I funny. Know, but- Steph, his brother Steph came out and said he believes that the, the 76ers will win the championship and Seth Curry will win the finals MVP. So, <laughs> so crazy, crazy. That's hilarious. Trey Young made 17 out of 19 free throws. So they must have been fucking hacking at this dude. Nah, and that there's a lot of um people, and you know, we'll talk about this on another episode, but there's a lot of people looking at making some rule changes with the shots. And I know Trey Young is under the microscope because he gets a lot of fouls called mm-hmm. uh for bullshit. And uh he he is very entertaining to watch, but at the same time, when you watch him play, it's like watching James Harden. All these dudes ever do is go to the free throw line, and it's for the biggest, most dumbest bullshit call ever. So, you know. I do think the refs need to fix what's going on. Hopefully, after the season, they get their shit together. But I do, I do see uh, Trey Young's numbers dropping next season because of that. Because once again, a huge part of his game comes from the free throw line. No disrespect, though. But a lot of people stay away from Trey Young or stay off of him because of that. They know he's going to get those calls. One last thing about this game, and I commented on this the last podcast. One of the biggest issues the 76ers have had is their free throws. They hit 60% of their free throws this game. And in past games, they've only hit 60% of their free throws. Also, they don't have a bench that can give you points. Absolutely. So. I'm just saying, like, they need to start hitting their bunnies. It's fucking 60%. Terrible. Yeah, you're playing against one of the top shooting teams in the league against a team that can't really shoot that well. So mm-hmm. as, lo- as long as the Hawks hit their shots, they have nothing to worry about. But I do think Philly's going to come back in that series. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But all right, that's enough of the playoff picture. I want to talk about Team USA. Team USA will conduct a mini camp as early as July 1st. So not even two weeks away. We're we're right there. Um, It will be held in Las Vegas. The NBA Finals begin on July 8th with a possible Game 7 going on July 22nd. The the Team USA coaching staff has dropped a 57-man roster for the final 12-man team. That selection period will begin at the end of the month. What 12 people do you think will make the cut? And before I actually get your picks, I'm just going to read off all these names and I'm going to go by positions. So at center, we have Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, Mitchell Robinson, Christian Wood, Bam Adebayo, Andre Drummond, Montrez Harrell, Dwight Howard, Brooke Lopez, Kevin Love, Javon McGee, Mason Plumlee, Miles Turner. I'm not going to lie. I'm very upset with that list. Don't think a lot of those names should even be there, but I understand why they are. For the selected guards, we have Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Fred Lindsley, John Wall, Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Malcolm Brogdon, Mike Connolly, Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Oladipo, Chris Paul, Lowry, Kemba Walker, Russell Westbrook, and Derek White. And for the forwards, Jeremiah Grant, 
Blake Griffin, Julius Randle, Duncan Robinson, Zion Williamson, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Draymond Green, Tobias Harris, Gordon Hayward, Brandon Ingram, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Middleton, and last but not least, Jason Tatum. So in hearing all those names, man, you know, they, they definitely handpick a lot of people, but it's pretty easy to say who will make the cut and who won't make the final cut. Even if all these guys said they wanted to play, you can only have 12 people. So in knowing that, man, I asked you to create your own list. I have my own list. What 12 players do you have picked up for your team USA? Let me hear it. So mind you real quick, people are still in the playoffs. Dudes have been injured. A hundred percent. So this is a list. This isn't my best 12. This is the 12 that are available. Minus dudes that are hurt and minus teams that are still playing in the playoffs. So I have Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randle, Bam, Draymond Green, Zion Williamson, Mitchell Robinson. And you could either do Mitchell Robinson or Jared Allen. That's not a bad 12. Yeah. Or 13. I know you had to throw out an extra name. Well, you could um, like that's what I'm saying. Either one, Mitchell Robinson or Jared Allen. So I know before you 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 named your list, you made a comment, and that's one of the reasons why my team is the way it is. And I'll say my team in a little bit, due to playoffs and the Olympics starting right after. So with people in the playoffs right now, with mini camp starting, those people that are still in the playoffs, they're not going to be able to play. So when you say somebody like Devin Booker, Devin Booker is not on my list because once again, I do believe. He's going to be busy with the playoffs. So, but I do believe once again, if he wasn't in this position or if the, the, the Olympics were later on, I do believe he would be a part of that team. So woulda, coulda, shoulda, but with things going on, I don't think people are able to play. So because I just mentioned Devin Booker will most likely not be able to play due to the playoffs. Do you have anybody else you would take off and put on for him? Or do you want to leave your list how it is? That that's no, your final I mean, you, you could go, you could go John Wall, Fred Van Fleet. One of those guys. Okay. I'm honestly surprised to hear those names. I was even surprised to read them when I saw the list. Uh, 100%. Yeah. There's a lot of guys on this list that shouldn't be there. Jared Allen, no disrespect to him. I don't think he deserves to be there. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, he was on the last Team USA uh, mm-hmm. to help us win gold, so I respect it. But he, he doesn't even play on the team he is now, and they need a big man. So no disrespect to DeAndre Jordan. He shouldn't be there. Mitchell Robinson, he's still a young man. I would love to see him there in the future, but I don't think he's done enough to deserve a spot. No disrespect to him. Uh, Christian Wood, dude's a beast. St- still don't think he makes that final cut. Bam out of Bayou, 100%. He's on my list. Andre Drummond, no. Montrez Harrell, no. Dwight Howard, shut the fuck up. Uh, what? Why is he even there? Bro- <laughs> Brooke Lopez, no. Kevin Love, no. Javal McGee, no. Mason Plumley, no. Miles Turner, no. Once again, out of all those guys, I only named one person who I would take, and that was Bam Adebayo. So that that's crazy to me. Out of all those centers, the 13 I listed, there's only one on my list. Now, when it comes to the selected guards, Eric Gordon, he's too old. He needs to worry about next season and if he can continue to play in the league at a high level. I don't think he he should play on Team USA. Drew Holiday, a defensive you know candidate on the all-defensive team, I respect it, but I wouldn't put him on Team USA. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Levine. I love it. I, he's on my team, 100%. Fred Fleet, no. Now, Fred Fleet, the guy is becoming the, the new star of the Toronto Raptors. He's a, 
undrafted player putting in work and he, you know, he's living the dream right now. And I respect him. He's one hell of a talented player, but I don't think he's team USA material. I have five other guards on my team and he's not one of them. Let's see. Let's keep going. John wall. He needs to worry about staying healthy. He couldn't even finish the season. Trey young playoffs. Can't have Trey young in there. Cause he has playoffs. We just saw him. We just say drop 39 yeah. tonight. God damn. Keep doing yeah. your thing, man. Bradley Beal. hundred percent. Sign him up. Devin Booker playoffs. Can't have him on there. Malcolm Brogdon, great player, but he plays on Indiana Pacers. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't want to yep. see Malcolm Brogdon. Fuck um, them Pacers. Michael Conley, playoffs. Can't talk about him. Stephen Curry, definitely want to see him play. He said he will make his decision at the end of the month. And uh, it's funny because right when he's going to make his decision is exactly when the mini camp's going to start. Um, I do know in the past he said he does want to play, um, but this was before COVID. So I'm very curious to see if he does uh, keep his word and plays for Team USA. But I don't think you get, he didn't play in the last gold medal run. He played at the FIBA team, but he didn't play on the, the 2016 gold medal yep. team. So I, I do want to see Curry play. I would love to get that jersey. DeMar DeRozan, no. Joe Harris, no. Kyrie Irving, injury, playoffs. He needs to worry about himself. Um, so no. Damian Lillard, hell yeah. Want to see that. James Harden, no. Injury playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, I know he was on your team. No, man, I'm sorry. Once again, I have five guards five guards listed. If Steph Curry doesn't play, by all means, he should be there, but no. Um, Victor Oladipo, another person who's injured, shouldn't be on the list. Chris Paul, playoffs. Kyle Lowry, too old. Kemba Walker, injury. Russell Westbrook, yes. Sign me up. I want to see that. Derek White, too young. In the future, yes, he's a great player. I don't want to see that. Now for the forwards. Jeremiah Grant, no. Blake Griffin, no. Julius Randle, yes. Duncan Robinson, no. Zion, yes. L.A., retired. He retired due to health reasons. The fact that he was even still on the list, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what's going on? Harrison Barnes, he was on the past USA team. I don't want to see him. Jalen Brown, injury. He needs to worry about himself. Jimmy Butler, yes. Anthony Davis, yes. Kevin Durant, playoffs. Paul George, playoffs. Draymond Green, yes. Tobias Harris, playoffs. But also, no, I don't want to see him on Team USA. Gordon Hayward, he needs to worry about getting back healthy. He got injured at the end of the year. Brandon Ingram, would love to see him, but don't think he makes the cutoff. LeBron James already said he's worried about playing with Bugs Bunny against the Monstars. So don't think we'll see him. Fucking Yeah, clown. Jordan 2.0. See you later. Kyle Kuzma, so disrespectful he's on this list. I'm not even going to get started <laughs> on that. Um, Kawhi Leonard, playoffs. Uh, yeah. Chris Middleton, playoffs. Jason Tatum, 100% should be there. Centerpiece. Yeah, 100%. So my 12-man team, right, after going through all those names and giving my reasons why they should be there or shouldn't be there, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. Once again, those are five guards that I just named. Then after that, we have Zion Williamson, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler. Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo. That's all you need. To me, Those that's the best collection of guys that are going to give you the best result. Obviously, that team's going to go undefeated. Obviously, they're going to win his gold in Tokyo. It's no contest. I don't want to see you know, guys like Jared Allen, no disrespect, or like Eric Gordon and other guys go there, and then we somehow lose the gold. The fuck, dude? See, unfortunately, like we said with the playoffs, all the injuries, 
the shortened off season from last year to this year, we honestly don't know who's going to play, who's going to want to play, or what's going to happen. There's a couple names that are guarantees, like you said, but besides that, everything's... Yeah, I know um, Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, and Jason Tatum yeah. all already came out and said that they, they want to play. But once again, they still have to make the mm-hmm. final roster. I do yep. think Draymond, Damian, and Jason Tatum will be on that final man roster regardless. You know, Draymond Green, people could talk about his offense all they want. There, there's a reason why they're not in the playoffs. He, he couldn't hit a fucking layup, but whatever. Yep. He was on the all-defensive first team. So I do see him going. I do see him contributing, obviously. And we're talking about playing against people in other countries. You know, he's one of the best people to do it in America, you know, kings of basketball. So playing against little Frenchmen or little Spanish men, he's going to shit all over this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, that's enough about Team USA. We already know they're going to win the gold, but we'll talk about the Olympics when the Olympics come around. And when they make the final roster, you know, we'll have a topic on that. Final thoughts, man. How do you want to so, end the show? Let me hear it. So I have two things. I'm going to say one thing real quick, and I'll say the other. With the NBA playoffs continuing, and soon it'll be over with, we'll probably talk more about baseball, especially our Red Sox, who are fourth in the AL right now. Oh, 100%. They've uh, surprised a lot of people. Their bats are going good. They have a nice little core with Verdugo and a few other dudes. Right now, the biggest thing I want to talk about is Vince Wolfork's son is charged with stealing 300000 of his dad's jewelry, including New England Patriots Super Bowl rings. Uh, Vince Wolfork thought he left them in, like, packaging or storage or wherever, but a, long, a lifelong Patriots fan saw the memorabilia up on a site and personally emailed Vince Wolfork. His son is 23 and is charged down in Galveston, Texas on Wednesday, but this just broke today. So with that story, right? Did Vince Wilfork press charges against his own son? I think it doesn't say, but police also discovered that eight other pieces of Wolfwork's jewelry were sold in March of 2020 for 4,600. So we're talking about something. It's been well over a year and we're just now learning about this. Vince is just now well learning about this. So Vince clearly doesn't pay attention to his trophy collection. Um, but at the same time, when it's in the comfort of your own home, you think you could trust people. So it's kind of wild to think about, man, especially all those Tom Brady, uh, you know, Super Bowl commercials we see with him locking away his rings in a safe. You'd think uh, Vince Wilfork being a former teammate would understand, you know, the importance of a safe or, you know, keeping your prized possessions locked up. But this is wild to think about for your own son to go right under your nose and rob you blind and you have no idea. That's fucking crazy. And uh, kudos to that fan that emailed him. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. So Vince Wolfwork is only 39 years old. His kid is 16 years younger than him. And yeah. when I say kid, his son, 23 years old, DeAndre Holmes hyphenated Wolfwork is uh, 23, like you just said. Now, we're talking about somebody who's won Super Bowls, played in the NFL for years. His son's only 23. Yeah. Um, Wolfwork has money. Why? What? Can you possibly th- do you think Will Fork's kid? And I, I don't want to speak out of term because I don't know the guy personally. Like, what do you think was going through this kid's mind? Like, if he needed money, couldn't you just reach out to mom and dad? Like, so, wh- what? I mean, he, he must be close with them to be able to get fucking set up. I mean, it's his kid. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing I could think of 
And I'm just speculating here. I have no facts behind this. this it's is drugs, just, bro. We all know that's drugs. that's exactly what I was just gonna say. But I'm sure more will come out on the story, or it'll be hush hush. We'll see. This is pretty big, you know, three hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry. That's fucking and, and two Super Bowl rings. Yeah, that's that's including insane. Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Um, if it is drugs, or if the guy was in trouble and he felt like he couldn't reach out to people to get help, I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope all is good and well. No disrespect. We're not talking shit. You know, we're just speculating at this point because we have no mm. idea what's going on. Angry fans loves the players, loves the families of the players. You know, no, we don't care I... what you guys do. We just enjoy the show. Yeah. But all right, man, uh, on my final thought, man, we got some uh, coaching vacancies opening up in the NBA. We currently have six destinations with head coach openings. Um, I think this is the most I've seen in my lifetime. At one point in time. So we have the Portland Trailblazers, the Washington Wizards, the Orlando Magic, Indiana Pacers, New Orleans Pelicans, and the Boston Celtics. Now, three of those teams, actually four of those teams, seem like very good coaching destinations. You know, Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, New Orleans Pelicans. You have Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. Um, You have the Washington Wizards with Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Portland Trailblazers. With Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, the Orlando Magic just made trades. To, they're working on their future. Um, the Indiana Pacers, you know, they made trades. They got some bonus down there. One of the best forwards in the league. Out of all these destinations, and I know you're a Celtics fan, so don't be biased on this. What do you think is the most promising destination for a head coach right now? If you had your pick and you had all these six, all six of these teams in front of you, what team are you picking? I'm gonna say the Celtics. Just really? because you have the young pieces, the young players, you have starring Kemba, the history of the Celtics, Brad Steven, who's a favorite, now being in the front office, somebody you can work with. You know, it's not Danny Ainge up there anymore. I'm not speaking bad about Danny, but it's just a whole different dynamic. Yeah, they're kind of in a little mini rebuild right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to pick your poison. I saw something that um, Jason Kidd's going to go to the Orlando Magic. I don't know how true it is, but I saw I that mean. If he does, you know, and that's where I was coming into it with um, the coaching destination and not really the team. I mean, when you look at all those places, the the most entertaining place looks like the Orlando Magic because, once again, you're in fucking Orlando, Florida. So you have yeah. Disney right there as your sponsor for the team. You're going to have that good weather. And once again, they're in a rebuild. So, like, with you going down with, you know, all new team because they just traded away Aaron Gordon – um, they got all young guys, you know, Cole Anthony, UNC Tar Heels all day stand up. You got a promising young team. Um, if Jason Kidd goes there, I can see them only getting better. You know, they've been out of the playoffs for a few years now when not even a decade ago, they were in the finals. A lot's changed and a lot's happened. And um, if I was a young coach, I am a Celtics fan, but I would take the Orlando Magic's uh, coaching vacancy 100%. And once yeah. again, just because of destination – and because it's a complete rebuild with the players and the coaching, you can do it your way, however you want, and nobody can get in your way. Um, so that, that's it. You know, right now with the Boston Celtics, I feel like there's more pressure because they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. Um, mm-hmm. You have young up-and-coming superstars, and the head coach who was just coaching the team for the last five or six years is now the president of basketball operations. So. I yeah. feel like you're going to have more pressure in Boston, 100%. If you go out to Portland, Damian Lillard, you know, he's 31 years old. He's only getting older. 
this guy wants a championship now or you need to get rid of him. So with potential trades, on, you know, with him and that team, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that. Uh, Washington Wizards, Russell Westbrook, crazy-ass ego, Bradley Beal. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Washington's always talking about trading one of their best players. Before John Wall was traded, it was every season where those guys were talking about breaking him up and splitting him up and doing something. So I don't know, man. The only the only team here that I feel bad for is the Indiana Pacers because um, they have a young core team, but it's Indiana, bro. Nobody wants to be in the Midwest. <laughs> that's all it comes down to uh but that's it man that's all i got uh once again i would pick the orlando magic uh it was a good show tonight man yeah a lot of good topics excited about baseball in the future talk about that later on man and speaking on baseball i'm actually going to um uh yankees red sox game on uh friday the 25th uh with my buddy kelvin um you're more than welcome to join us if you want Uh, i'll speak to you more about that after the show sure there'll be some brawls Hey, hey, I'm excited, man. On that note, peace.